It's good to uh, it's good to be here. Thanks, James. You're you're kind. Uh, I do love you guys. I love your uh, I love your churches. I, I hope that you know uh, how unique you are. You probably don't. You know that's that's the thing. Uh, when you're in the midst of it, you don't realize what you got. Uh, but you are unique, and you have this incredible thing uh, going on. And uh, did they put that slide up? You know, I can tell what you guys are doing, you know? We, we know where your eyes are when things happen, and things move behind me. I know you're, you're looking that way, and, and you're already thinking, humility? I don't talk about humility. What's wrong with this guy? Uh, we'll get to that in a minute. Let me, let me complete my, my thoughts about how awesome it is what you have, what you have in your fellowship of churches in the area. But this, this particularly, this, this event that you have pastors and leaders who care enough about you to put in the work, and I'll promise, there's work, right, uh, to pull something like this off. Uh, it's awesome that they want so badly uh, for you to get connected to the mission and, and to the Lord and to His ministry to do something like this. Uh, I've tried to do these things, and they're not easy, and so uh, it's incredible. You're, you're incredibly blessed and I'm blessed to be here with you. Although, you know, when, when, when this thing, when, when Sam first talked to me about it, I gotta say, I was a little offended. So Sam walks up to me at discipleship conference down in, in Atlanta, and, uh, and, he, and he, starts the, he starts the talk about all church retreat and, and wanting to get some of the older guys to speak. <laughs> and I'm thinking, surely what Sam wants from me is some advice about who he could ask of the older guys. <laughs> and then I realize he's talking about me. Uh, and uh, so that, you know, that's a little offensive. Uh, huh? <laughs> yeah, preach old man. Uh, yeah, you know, you never, you never, you never think, you never think that's you. Um, but uh, I guess it is. Uh, so uh, it is, it's good to be here. It's awesome. Uh, thanks for allowing me to come and to share. And I, I do want to talk about humility. Uh, I, well, that's not true. I don't want to talk about humility, uh, but I think God wants me to talk about humility. Uh, he's been working on me uh, this year with that, that theme, and mainly out of the Old Testament. Uh, that's where I've, I've read, just as I've come through the Old Testament this, this year. Uh, but, but he's led me into other places and just kind of uh, rocking my world with this ideal of humility and a, and a right understanding of it. You know, I, I think it's something that is undervalued. I mean, if you think this morning about the people that you admire, the people that you have respect for, uh, and you think about the attribute of that person that you most admire, someone who you really look up to, odds are, as you go through the list of attributes, you're probably not going to hit humility. We, we don't really place a high value on humility. I mean, we might think about a lot of things about them that are awesome and their, their, their attributes and their traits that are so great, and, and we're glad that they're humble about those things, but, but humility might not be at the top of the list. I, I, would, I would dare say it's not. But what God's showing me is He does highly value it. In fact, He might value it more than anything else. It really is what He's looking for. We sang a few moments ago, I'm not exact, I probably won't get it exactly right, but, you know, may I find my all in Thee. May, may I find my all in You, God. And, and when we think about humility, we typically think about it as weakness. We typically think about it as, as a trait that's not so great. Uh, but the truth is, a biblical definition of humility is, I find my all in thee. I find my all in God. Pride, pride is 
trusting in my resources, trusting in me. Humility is trusting in God and finding my all in Him, and it, and it impacts how that we live our lives. And so, as I'm, as I'm thinking about this, and I'm looking at it, and, and God's working in my life, He takes me to uh, Peter, 1 Peter. So if you want to look there, we're going to spend some time there over the next few days. 1 Peter. Uh, we'll, we'll start in chapter 5. I, I think uh, it's where Peter's writing this epistle. He's, he's coming to the end of his life. He's not sure that he'll ever get the chance again to say these things. Uh, and you know, last words are important. I had the occasion to be with both of my parents uh, and, and hear their last words, uh, to have a conversation. What an incredible gift from God. Uh, but, but in that moment, you choose your words carefully. Every word is measured. Uh, and, and, and you are very cautious and conscious of what's being said. And, and so certainly Peter, he comes to the end of his life, and he ultimately writes another epistle. But, but as he writes this one, you can, you can read within it that he's, he's expecting that this is the last communication that I'm going to have. And, and as he, he writes these words, he's talking about humility. I, I, I really believe that First Peter is this handbook on humility. And it's really kind of weird that Peter's writing it, isn't it? I mean, it, it, don't, don't miss that. Here's Peter, this impulsive, self-reliant guy, the guy that, if you read the Gospels, is the first to chime in. He's the guy, you know, he's the first guy out of the boat. Jesus bid me to come to you on the water, and, and he gets out there, and, and obviously trusting in his own resources, he takes his eyes off Christ and, and starts to sink, and he's the guy that, you know, is, just assures the Lord in the upper room, I'll, I'll never deny you, Lord, and walks right out and denies him, Right? And, and what is that? What's the issue with Peter? He's, he's self-reliant. He's, he's not Peter the humble. He's Peter the proud. But isn't it incredible that our God uses Peter to write the handbook on humility? Because he has the power of transformation. I mean, you think Paul. You know, Paul the Pharisee writes about the gospel of grace. John, the son of thunder, is the apostle of love. I think that's what God wants to do in our lives. He wants to bring an, an incredible transformation from who we were to who He would have us to be. And, and that, that requires humility. So he, He's writing this book at the end of His life. He's been through some stuff, right? And I'll, I'll promise you, if, if we're going to be that, if we're going to be people who rely upon the Lord, we're going to go through some stuff. There's going to be some trials and some tribulations and some suffering. Uh, but, but the end of that is, is being transformed into who Christ would have us to be. Uh, and, and certainly that's, that's the goal. Um, again, humility, not very popular. Uh, may not be the first thing on our list, but I, I think it is on God's. And, and, and again, a definition is it's total and complete trust in God. Uh, so much so, so much so that I don't have to defend myself. I, I, I don't have to stand up for my rights. I don't have any rights. I, I think in the 21st century, you know what the, the, the theme this week I, I saw is peculiar people. You want to be peculiar in the 21st century? Try humility. That, that'd make you weird. And, and weird's not a bad thing in this culture. You, you don't want to be normal. Amen? You don't want to be normal. Normal's bad. 
You want to be peculiar. You want to be different. And, and humility is that thing that would make you different. And, and so as you, if you were to, to take time, and, and, it, and it doesn't take long, uh, to, to read through 1 Peter, uh, I think there's a few themes that jump up, and, and I just want to talk about them. Uh, it, 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 this morning, talk about suffering, and it will be a minute before we get to that. Uh, that that's a theme that you find throughout 1 Peter over and over again. He talks about suffering. Submission, obviously, is a theme that goes with humility. If you're going to be humble, you're going to be submissive. Uh, and he talks about serving. And so that's just what we're going to take the next few days. We're going to talk about suffering, submission, uh, and service. And, and hopefully, you know, God can transform us like he did Peter, uh, that we could walk away from here uh, with some humility in our lives. And so uh, the, the, the first thing I, I want us to see, and, and we'll go back to, well, let's look at chapter 5. I had you go there. Let's, let's, let's look at that. Uh, obviously, it's the end of, the, it's the, end of the, the epistle. It's the end of the letter. And uh, Peter's closing things out. And, and he says in verse 5, 1 Peter 5, verse 5, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility. Catch this. For God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. I mean, is that not enough? <laughs> Right? That's enough motivation for me to want to be humble. I don't want God resisting me. I want, I am in need of God's grace. I want to humble myself and receive His grace. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. And so I think that's a summary of the book. So Peter's closing things out. He's finishing up his letter. He's, he's told them what he's going to tell them, and he told them what he was going to tell them, and now he's telling them what he told them. It's a good, good way of speaking. Uh, and, and so the, the theme of the book, again, I, I think it's a handbook on humility. Uh, and so we're going to just catch a few key passages out of the book uh, along the way and talk about what it means to be humble and, and maybe how we can be that. Uh, the, the first thing is, is it's, it comes from suffering, right? Right? Uh, Humility is wrought in suffering. Uh, but, but before we can talk about the suffering, we may not talk about it a ton this morning because we need to, we need to get the motivation. We need to, I think, figure out why it is I need to get through this suffering. What is, what is it that is derived from suffering? And I, the, the thing that is derived from suffering is hope. And hope is the foundation of humility. Uh, get that with me. Hope is the foundation of humility. If, if I'm going to be humble, Truly humble, biblically humble, following the biblical definition, not, not my definition, but God's definition of humility, where I'm totally dependent upon God, it's going to be founded in, in hope. Uh, you could say faith, but the word that Peter uses, we'll go back over to chapter 1, if you would, 1 Peter chapter 1, in, in verse number 3, that he, he uses the word hope. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now, hope is like the word humility. <laughs> and so many other words, right? We, these Bible words are, are very important, and it's very important that we define them biblically. Right? Uh, we need to make sure that we define our words the way God defines our words, because one of the attacks of Satan is that he, he takes words that have significance and have meanings and, and are very impactful in the scriptures, and he redefines them. The devil's okay with you believing the Bible if you don't define the words like God de defines them, if you're believing the wrong thing about it, right? 
Uh, and like the word love, you know, we, we have so watered down the word love in our culture, right? We love pizza, you know, we, we love our spouse, and we love God. Uh, and we, you know, that's all together there, all right? We, we, humility, we, we don't value it, we, we don't think of it like God thinks of it, and, and hope's the same thing. When we say hope, you know, we're like, you know, uh, I, I hope I get to go swimming today. I, I hope it doesn't rain this afternoon. There's some measure of uncertainty within it, right? When we use that word, we use that word with with uncertainty. In fact, the dictionary defines it to wish for a particular event that one considers possible. Uh, that's the dictionary's definition, but the Bible's definition is to have confidence in an event that is yet future. I, I'm confident. I believe it. I'm sure of it. It's just yet future. It, it just hasn't come to pass yet. And that's what Peter's talking about here when he talks about this lively hope that we have in Jesus Christ. If I'm going to be humble, it's going to be based in hope, in a biblical hope. Hebrews chapter 6 defines it for us. Uh, 17, verse 17 through 20. Hebrews 6, 17 through 20. Uh, I think these are on the screen. Uh, Wherein God, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his, of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie. We might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay, hope upon the, lay hold upon the hope set before us. Which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast. That's the kind of definition that God gives for hope, right? It's not something that, you know, well, I, I, I'm not sure about it. Uh, but I, you know, I think it's possible. That's not the way God defines hope. God defines hope as something that is sure and steadfast. It's an anchor for my soul. It's something that I can rely upon. It's something that I can put my trust in. And if I'm going to be humble, if I'm truly going to be biblically humble in the right fashion, then I've got to have that kind of hope. I've got to have that kind of belief. Pastor Grace last night, let me just say, man, isn't it awesome to have Pastor Grace? That guy is, is a hero of mine uh, from, from way back. Uh, and uh, just love Pastor Grace and, and the opportunity to sit and, and hear him. He, he talked about Abraham, and, and Paul writes about Abraham's faith. And obviously it's important that we, we believe that the first 11 chapters of Genesis are, are literal and that Abraham was truly someone who lived and, and had faith in, in God. But when, when Paul writes about that, he, he, he says in chapter 4, verse 18, who, talking about Abraham, who hoped, uh, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. According to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And so, he, he, so Abram, Abram, you know, he's, God comes to him and, and, and he says to him, uh, Abram, you know, uh, I know you got Ishmael, but you're going to have a child with Sarah. And, uh, and, and Abraham laughed. And, uh, and Sarah, you know, God tells Sarah, and Sarah laughs, and, 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 and God laughs and says, no, th this is really going to happen. Uh, and what Paul says about Abraham is that he, ho he against hope, believed in hope. He, he didn't have a rational, logical, physical reason. He's a hundred years old. Abraham, you're going to have a kid. His wife's 90. Sarah, you're going to have a kid. Uh, God, you know, 
I don't know if you've been around. I don't know if you've been watching what's going on around here. Uh, and I don't know how you, if you know, if you even know how all that happens, but that ain't happening, right? That ain't happening. And maybe, maybe, I don't know. He, he hoped against hope, so maybe that's the life. He's got some joy thinking maybe it's possible, you know. He, he doesn't have an incredible amount of faith, but he hopes against hope. He, it's a starting point. And maybe that's where you're at today. You're just at a starting point. You, you can hope against hope. You're, you can't see a, a reason that it's going to come to pass, but, but man, I'm going to just trust God because he spoke it. That's what, that's what the Bible tells us. According to that which was spoken. I've got God's word, and I'm going to trust in God's word. And as you continue to read what, what Paul writes about Abraham, it's like, there's this, it's like there's a progression of his faith. So at the beginning, he's hoping against hope. But verse 19 says, and, and being not weak in faith, he considered not his own, his own body now dead when he was about 100 years old. Right? right? He, he being not weak in faith. He wasn't strong in faith either, but he wasn't weak in faith. He's taking a step forward. He's moving in the right direction. And, and if we're going to be people of humility, we're going, to have to, we're going to have to move in the right direction. Right? Pastor Grace said it last night. He, he talked about not, not allowing the doubt, not allowing the fear, not allowing the world, the lies of the devil and the, the world and my flesh to attack me and to erode the, the faith that I have, but grow in faith. Believe God's word. Act on what he has said. Take those steps forward. And, and so he, he goes from against hope, believing in hope, to he's not weak in faith. Verse 20 says, and he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. Right? So he's, he's, he's moving in the right direction. Right? You see this progression of his faith. He starts and he's, he's hoping against hope and, and he's not weak in faith. And now he's, he's, he's stopped staggering even. <laughs> He's, he's standing strong in what God has said. And verse 21 says, in being fully persuaded. You see that progression? If I'm going to be a person of humility, then, then I've got to take that same progression to where I get to the place that I completely trust in God. I'm fully persuaded. And when I'm fully persuaded, you know, it really doesn't matter what anybody else thinks about me. It doesn't really matter what anyone else's opinion of me is. My hope is in God. And, and I don't have to win the argument, and I don't, I don't have to stand up for my rights. I, I am fully persuaded. I am confident in my God, and that He has me. He is in control of my destiny. I can trust Him. I can walk with Him. We need that kind of hope. We need to be a person who is progressing in faith. And maybe your faith right now is very small. Pastor Grace shared with us very clearly last night how that you progress in your faith, right? Faith comes by and hearing by. Yeah. And we'll see as we, as we go down this continuum that that's, that's the root of faith. That, that's what happened in Abraham's life. He heard what God said. He believed in what God said. But listen to me. He acted on what God said. He I don't need to say more about that, do I? Right, we understand that there's something necessary to fulfill the promise. Abraham and Sarah had a part to play, and they played their part. They believed God, and they acted on His Word. Something that seemed incredibly impossible to them, it was totally impossible to them, they couldn't pull it off, but they acted on God's Word, 
as if they could. And God blessed that faith, and, and it grew their faith. We'll never be humble until we have that kind of faith, where, where we hope in that kind of way. So, so how do we get that? How, how do we do that? What, what makes our hope so sure? Obviously, again, uh, Peter's writing this handbook on humility, and, and he continues. He, he, he talks about the surety that we have. He talks about the hope that we have and, and how sure it is. Look back, verse number three. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again to a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed at the last time. And so he, he, he lists at least, I mean, you can break it down all kinds of different ways, but at least six different things that, that makes my hope sure. Again, the Word of God telling me that I have a sure hope, a, a lively hope. And, and I, I want us to just look at those real quick this morning. Because we need, we need to walk away with that kind of hope. We need to walk away with that assurance uh, that our, our faith is strong. And so uh, he says, first of all, that it's, it's sure because it's authored by God. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Right? We just saw in Hebrews where it's impossible for God to lie. My, my faith, my hope is authored by God. God, God is the orchestrator, the author of it. He, he does all things Sure, it will be accomplished. You can count on him. You can trust him. It's impossible for God to lie. I can count on his word. I can trust in him. He, he says he does it according to his abundant mercy. His abundant mercy. It's, it's not out of his abundant mercy, but it's according to his abundant mercy. And that's a big difference. It, what it means is all of that mercy, the abundance of God's mercy is available to me. His mercy that endureth forever. I love the 136th Psalm, right? That ends with that phrase. Every verse ends with that phrase. His mercy endureth forever. Uh, there, there is no end to his mercy. And, and my hope is, is based on that kind of mercy. It's, it's not a, out of that kind of mercy. It's according to that kind of mercy. It's the, it's the difference between me writing you a check for 10 bucks or me giving you a blank check. You could get the whole $12 out of my account if you, if you had the blank check, not just the 10 Right? You could, you could take everything. It's all available. And that's what God's saying about His mercy. My, my hope is based on that kind of mercy. It's abundant. It's, it's, it's more than is needed, right? An, an abundance is something that's above what I need. It's beyond what I need. It's abundant mercy. And, and so my hope is based on that. It's, it's based on my, my new birth hath begotten us again. It's not something that, that I joined, you know. It's not something that, you know, I learn. But it's based on the new birth. I, I am born into this. It's a, a complete transformation. I, I received it by birth. And, and I can't be talked out of it because I wasn't talked into it. I was born into it. I, I have a lively hope. That, that God authored, that, that it's according to his mercy that, that I was born into. It's a, a lively hope because it's based on a living Savior. Notice what he says. Unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. My hope uh, is based on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
Uh, what an incredible, incredible promise, right? The, the power of the resurrection, that Christ is risen. This is, not, this is not a religious thing. This is not some just doctrinal thing. This is, it is doctrinal, but it's not just some, some teaching, but it's based on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The power that brought Christ from the grave. And that same power resides within me. He lives in me. The power of the resurrection. That's what Paul told the church at Ephesus. That, that same power that rose Jesus Christ from the grave dwells in us. And, and, and he says that's, that's the earnest of our inheritance. And Peter talks about it here to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. We have this incredible inheritance. It's, it's guaranteed. Uh, he said to the church at Ephesus, Ephesians chapter 1, he, he talks about that we, we've trusted, we heard the word of the gospel, the, the gospel of our salvation, we believed in it, and we're sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. He says that's the earnest of our inheritance. That yet future redemption that's coming, right? He, he guarantees that to me. If I'm, if I'm going to be sure in this hope, I'm, I'm sure in this hope because the, the Holy Spirit of God lives within me. God gave me himself as a guarantee. That's the power that's within me. Uh, the witness of the Holy Spirit of God. Man, it's a sure hope. Amen? He's, he says it's incorruptible. Man, if it was up to me, I'd corrupt it for sure. Undefiled. It's, it's, it, it, can't, it can't be made unclean. It, if it was just up to me, it'd be unclean. I'd screw it up in a heartbeat. But the hope I have in Christ, it's, it's incorruptible. It, it's immortal. It's not based on me. It's, it's undefiled. It, it can't be made. It doesn't fade away. It, it lasts forever. It, it's, it's an eternal hope that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so when we're, we're, we're talking about this hope, the, the, the last thing he says, it's kept by the power of God. Who are kept by the power of God. It, it, it's not up to me to keep it. It's not up to me to, to hold on to it. It's not up to me to, to somehow... Work it out. The hope that I have is secure in God through the person of Jesus Christ. My, my hope is yet future. The redemption of my body is coming at some point in the future. But hear me this morning. It's sure. It's guaranteed. There's no doubt about it. I have a sure hope in Jesus Christ. And because I have that sure hope, I can be humble. I don't, I don't need to prove anything. Uh, Pastor Grace talked last night about having an answer. And, and how, how, did he, how did he tell us that we were to have that answer? We have an answer for every man with all meekness. Yeah. That's humility, right? I don't need to argue with anybody. I don't need to prove any points. I don't need to shake my finger in anybody's face. I can answer with all humility. Because I know it's not my answer, it's his answer. It's not based on me, it's based on him. And if I don't have any doubt about it, I don't need to argue with anybody about it. If they want to hear the truth, I'm glad to share the truth. If they don't want to hear the truth, that's okay too. Because it's not my truth, it's His truth. And my faith and my trust is in Him, and I have no qualms or doubts about it, so I can be humbly presenting that truth. It is, it is powerful, and it is necessary. So, we have hope. It's, it's sure, although yet future, and that hope allows us to be humble. 
I have, listen, no lack of confidence because I have complete trust in Jesus Christ. Humility isn't having no confidence. Humility is having complete confidence. I have complete confidence. Not in me, not in my ability, but in God and what He has done in my life. There's a wonderful illustration of this that I want to share with you. I think it's, I think it's obviously every illustration, everything can be illustrated best through the life of Jesus Christ. Uh, and, and this is true in, with, with humility. John 13 tells, gives this account of Jesus in the upper room, right? I'm, I'm sure we probably all know the story. Uh, they, they show up in the upper room. Jesus is hours away from being crucified. He's going to keep the Passover uh, with his disciples just before he's crucified. And, and they show up there in the upper room. And, and, and obviously when you gather like that in that arid climate, uh, and, and they're all going to sit on the floor and they're going to take a meal together, uh, it, it was necessary that somebody clean up the nasty feet, right? Because you're wearing open shoes and you're walking through this arid climate in the dirt and the dust and the filth and, and your feet are right there. Uh, it'd, be, it'd be wonderful. And so every house in that culture would have a servant, the lowest of the servants, who would wash the feet of the people as they came in. Well, there's no one there to do this in, in the upper room. And so they come together and, and, and nobody's washed anybody's feet. And, and so Jesus... Kind of like what Peter said in, in chapter 5, he was clothed with humility. He took off his garment, he girds himself with a towel, and he begins to wash the feet of the disciples. And, and, and certainly, that is an act of humility. And, and when you read the accounts, if you read it in the, the, the different Gospels, I think I threw this in the, the notes this morning just to, to kind of rehearse it with us. And so as they're headed to that event, according to Matthew's account of things, right? Zebedee's, the, the sons of Zebedee, their, their mother comes to Jesus. Interesting phrasing here, right? Worshiping him and desiring a certain thing. You would never come like that, right? We never go like that, right? <laughs> Worshiping him and desiring a certain thing. I don't, I'm not sure that those two things go together. Let me say, I'm sure those two things don't go together, right? But, but so often we try it, just like... These boys, mama, you know, I don't, how, how, do they, how, do they, how do they get all these accolades of being such tough guys and they got their mama going to Jesus asking for stuff? <laughs> That's a problem, too. But they're asking, she's asking on their behalf, can they sit on the right and the left hand in the kingdom? Could you give them, you know? And, and you go a little further down to verse number 24, and when the other ten hear it, they're hacked off, Right? They, there's an argument. They're moved with indignation against the two brothers. Why? Because they didn't think to ask. They didn't get their mama to come ask for them. <laughs> Luke's gospel tells us when all this is going on, you know, Jesus is talking about who's going to betray them and, or betray him. And then they begin to talk about it. Verse 24 says, And there was also a strife among them, which of them should be counted the greatest. Here you are with Christ. Within hours of him going to the cross. Giving his life as a sacrifice. Taking my sin upon himself. The sinless son of God. 
is going to suffer this separation in the Godhead because he's going to bear our sins. And here these guys are trying to figure out which one of them is going to be the greatest. It's a total absence of humility among the disciples. But incredible humility demonstrated by Christ as he, he is willing to come and to serve them. The greatest among them became the servant. And, and it's more... It's more than just humble service. It's more than just getting their feet clean. If it was just about cleaning their feet, they would have understood that. Jesus says, you don't understand what I'm doing. They understood needing, needing their nasty feet to be cleaned up. It's much bigger than that. It's much broader than that. He's, he's teaching a concept that, that he intends for us all to live with. He says... Do this to each other. And again, it's not about just washing our feet, but it's this idea of being willing to live in right relationship with each other. It's the ideal of as you walk through this world, you're going to, give, you're going to get dirt on your feet. You know, Peter says, no, Lord, you're not going to wash my feet. Well, Pete, if I don't wash your feet, that rhymes. Uh, I have no part with you. If you go over to Corinthians, it's part with you. It's fellowship. Peter says, well then, hey, and again, this is Peter, you know, he's he, open, open mouth, insert foot. <laughs> we'll wash me all over, Lord. Pete, you don't need to be washed all over. You've been washed, it's just your feet. You're, you're walking through this world and you're getting dirty and, and you, need to, you need to regularly get cleaned up. He's teaching us that we need to keep a short account with God. You're right, we're commanded to go out into the world. I've been cleaned, but we're going to go out into the world. We're going to get dirty, stay Keep a short account with God. And then he says, do this with each other. Keep a short account with each other. As we live in these relationships and we're in close contact with one another and we're in a, a body, we're in a family, we're this flock of God. We get sideways and he just says, man, just get right. But you can't do that if you're not humble. Hey, church is the worst place in the world for people to get crossways. And not be willing to just get right. Just to forgive somebody. To lay down my rights. And be confident in who I am in Jesus Christ. L listen, listen to this. I, verses 3 and 4. This, this, is, this is what the Bible says. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands... And that he, that he come from God and went to God. He riseth from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. Do, do, you, get, do, you, do, do you get that? Jesus knew who he was. He, he understood his identity in the Father. He knew that God had given all things into his hands. He knew he came from God and he was going back to God. Hey, this is nothing to me to lay aside my garments, to gird myself with a towel and come wash your feet. It has nothing to do with my identity because my identity is secure in my Father. Amen. And I am free to serve you in any way necessary. I can do anything because I am secure in my Father. That's the kind of humility we need. That's the kind of humility that it takes to, 
to serve. It's the kind of hope that we have to have to be humble. We need that kind of hope because that kind of hope is the foundation of humility. How do we get there? How do I, how do I get there? How can I get to the place that I got that kind of hope? That's the bad news. At least, at least from our perspective. It's really not bad news. But we typically don't like the way to get there. It, it requires suffering. I, I say it requires suffering. I, I, I guess, you know, my dad growing up, I, had, I was the youngest of four, three older siblings. My dad always admonished me to learn from their mistakes. I mean, just look at your knucklehead brothers and don't do what they did. And he would say, you know, experience is a good teacher, but it's an expensive one. It'd be great if we could just read the word and, and, and learn and, and humble ourselves and believe what it says and go forward. But, that, you know, I typically don't, don't change when I know enough I know how to. I change when I hurt enough that I have to. And that's why it requires suffering. And so, so Peter talks about suffering. I don't have a lot of time to, to, to go into this this morning. But let me, just, let me just read to you the next few verses and then we're just going to talk for a minute. Uh, he says, wherein, in, in, in the hope, that lively hope, you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you're in heaviness through manifold temptations. Wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, oh, I just read that verse, sorry. Uh, verse 7, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found in the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having, whom having not seen, yet ye love, and whom, though now ye see him not, yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. He, Peter goes right into this talk about suffering, and, and, and it is necessary. Suffering is necessary to have hope, and hope is necessary to have humility. It's, it's like, as we were singing, the greatness of our God, right? We're going to talk about the greatness, and, and I love the question, why? Why do you believe God's great? Well, let me tell you about this time of suffering that I went through. Let me tell you about this difficulty, and in the midst of my trial, my God proved himself to be great. And it's, it's wonderful, and, and, it, and it's founded in the scriptures, and it, and it has to start with what God has said, but, but it will become real in our lives as we go through suffering. And, and, and so just, let me give you a few things he says. He says, if, if we suffer for a season, it's, suffering's temporary, right? And, but it, it yields eternal hope. Trials are necessary, he says, if need be. If, if need be, and, and it's kind of a figure of speech. You, you can count on it. We're going to go through some stuff. It, it's what Paul told the church at Rome. It, it, remember that? Remember the way that he broke it down in Romans chapter 5? Uh, he talks about that we glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed. You remember that progression? Uh, it's the same thing that Peter's saying. It's, it's the progression in our lives. It's, it's what we're going to walk through. We, we have to go through some tribulations, some, some trials, some suffering, so that it can work patience in our lives. James says we need to, to let that patience have it, her perfect work. Right. The idea is you could opt out. Right? Let patience have her perfect work. In the midst of the trial... Embrace the trial, rejoice in the trial, knowing that 
Tribulation works patience, and patience experience. And experience hope. It's, it's as I go through the difficulties of life, the trials of life, I learned to trust God, to wait on Him, to endure difficult situations without losing my joy. That's what patience is. It doesn't matter what God brings in my life. My hope is still sure. I'm trusting in Him. He's going to bring me through this, and on the other side of it, I'm going to know. I'm going to have experience. So when somebody says, why, why are you glorying in God? Oh, man, let me tell you. I'll tell you about his word, but then I'll tell you, I got real life experience in it, man. This is not just an academic thing. It's not just in my head, it's in my heart, and it's throughout my life. He's proven himself to me. Let me share with you the stories. Amen. Amen. Tribulation works patience and patience hope. Our, tribulation works patience, patience experience, experience hope. And the last thing he says is, hope maketh not ashamed. Confidence. I'm not ashamed. I, I, I have confidence in God. I'm humble. I have complete confidence. I, I know my God. The last thing he says is, is well, they're multi, manifold temptations. They're, they're multifaceted. Uh, I don't have time to talk about that. And then he, he, he says it, it works a purpose, that the trying of your faith. It's a, a purifying purpose, but it's also a proving purpose. Not proving it to God or to anybody else, but proving it to us. Proving it to us. I, I, need, I need it proven to me. Amen? That I can trust God. That my hope is sure. And when my hope is sure, then I'm humble. I have true biblical humility. It doesn't sound real appealing. <laughs> but the truth is, if we define it like God defines it, it's very appealing. I don't have anything to prove. I am, I am totally confident in my God. I am resting in Him. I, I don't have to prove anything to anyone. I just live to please Him. I don't have to battle and fight and scrap. I just trust Him through all the situations and circumstances of my life. I can rest completely in Him and not be ashamed because I have confidence in Him. You know, I don't know what you're facing today. I don't know what you're going through. I, I dare say in a room this size, we're, we're going through some stuff. Let me encourage you today to hope in God. Don't let patience have a perfect work. Let God carry you through whatever you're in to the other side, to where He gives you that complete hope in Him. So that you're not, you're not ashamed, but you're humble. So you're not feeling like your identity is tied up in you, it's tied up in Him. So that you're willing to live in harmony and fellowship with the brothers and sisters in Christ. You can, you can serve one another without any, without any apprehension. Humility is founded in hope. It's wrought in suffering. Let's embrace the suffering. Allow God bring us, to bring us to where he wants us to be. Father, we love you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for the opportunity uh, to study it together, to live it. God, thank you that you prove yourself in every aspect of our lives, all the situations and circumstances. May we be humbled. May we find ourselves in you, our identity in you, our trust. May it be sure in you that you would make us humble people. 
who would, who would submit and serve in a way that would be pleasing to you. I pray in Christ's name. Amen.